Welcome to Vice or Virtue, an Eggie pod where Eggie fans talk about Eggie jams. And we're going to get right into it. Today we are discussing this year's only shows as of time of recording, January 5th and 6th at Treehouse Brewing in Deerfield, Massachusetts. And I'm lucky enough to have as my first guest host, Al W. And Al actually taped the shows. We're going to be using his uh, crisp, clear odds to uh, hear clips from this performance. So Al, welcome to uh, Vice or Virtue. How do you feel being the first guest here on the show? Oh, I'm excited, elated, and another adjective uh, beginning in E. <laughs> it's really cool. I'm excited to talk about um, what I thought were some some really cool uh, shows. You tape these shows. You tape the shows that were at Treehouse uh, back in January of 2023. I know you taped a couple of shows in Texas uh, at the end of last year. Obviously, you've seen Eggie a handful of times. I've been fortunate to be able to see them. Uh, I live in New England, which is where they happen to be from, and they play a lot of shows up here. So um, I actually started taping so that I could tape Eggie because I thought, hey, you know, bands, lots of people tape uh, other bands, but I don't know who's taping um, taping this band. It turns out lots of people are taping them. So thank you to all those people who are taping them and all the wonderful people that I've met throughout this experience. But um, yeah, that's driven uh, driven me to see them quite a few times over the last year and a half, I would say. And I'm um, looking forward to lots more this year, hopefully. We're going to go through a, 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 just a quick question before we get into the, the meat of the episode, which will be talking about the jams. Uh, one word to describe these two Treehouse shows. The way that comes to mind is relaxed. And I mean that in a in a good way, like because you can think of relaxed like, ah, uh, you know, maybe too relaxed. But what I mean when I say relaxed is it with improvisation, you want the band and the audience to feel comfortable, right? And I just felt like this whole weekend, everyone was really comfortable. And I think that led to some really cool outcomes like on the, you know, on the stage, um, as we'll talk about. That's a good one. Yeah, relaxed is a perfect summation of it, it. It almost had like a hometown kind of a show type feel because obviously they've they played at Treehouse before. There's some chatter in the shows. We're going to talk about uh, about coming to Treehouse just as as fans of of great right, beer. Right. It seems like they've had a, a bit of a kind of a long relationship with yeah uh, with, um, the organization. The word that I thought of uh, was efficient. Uh, and, and just <laughs> cool. whether jams were like 15 minutes or, you know, there's some beefier 25 minute jams, but everything felt kind of necessary. There wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of superfluous, like flashy playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just didn't, to me, feel like there was much wasted energy, even though you've got some really big jams for us to talk about. So, uh, yeah, relaxed and efficient. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Uh, Al, you were there. You taped the shows. Appreciate that. Right. Uh, can you? I've never been to Treehouse Brewing. I've watched a phenomenal full video that's on YouTube that I'll include in the show notes of night two. You were there. Tell us about the vibe. Tell us about the setup. It's one of several Treehouse Brewing locations. I understand that they have live music at all the locations or maybe many of them. And the, the, the location in Deerfield, which is like maybe two hours west of Boston, 
is actually, it used to be a uh, publishing company, like the building itself. So it's this massive complex with uh, what I presume used to be like the actual publishing factory floor is used for the production of the beer. And then the former like office space, if you will, is used as the, uh, the humongous kind of, what would you call it? Beer hall or I'm missing the word that's supposed to be there, but like um, tap room, tap room. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, and so that the tap room is this, um, what I assume was like the employee cafeteria. They've decked it out with all these plants and trees with lights on them. And so it's a really cool vibe. Um, and it means the ceiling is really high. So it's kind of an interesting space. And during the summer, they have a summer stage, more like a traditional like festival stage outside where they have pretty big bands play. Um, and Eggy uh, played there as well last summer. And then they also and then as we're describing here, they have bands play in the um, in the tap room. And so when the band played last year, they were a three piece because unfortunately Alex had gotten into a car accident the, the day before. Luckily he turned out to be okay. That's all great. Um, and they actually, they, the band played on just kind of sitting in chairs on the floor and like a, in a cordoned off area. And so it was a very intimate and I didn't know what to expect coming this time. And so when I walked down the stairs into the, into the, uh, the tap room, they had built this serious stage at the end of it long ways instead of short ways. So it was kind of all of a sudden the production was like, we're doing two nights this year. The production had like increased, you know, there were lights and all these things increased massively. So I was like, oh, this is so exciting, right? This, they seem to have a pretty long relationship with, with Treehouse. Treehouse actually makes a, a special beer. It has the Eggy logo on it. And that's, you know, I think that's really cool. And I, I noticed that, um, so there were two shows. They were both kind of late afternoon shows. And I noticed that a lot of people seem to have been driving in from all around New England because it's kind of centrally located for like Western New England. So talking to people and stuff, people saying, oh yeah, we drove two hours for the show. So there's definitely a draw um, to come out here and see them at this at this venue. And I, I look forward to hopefully seeing them on the summer stage again this year, hopefully with less lightning. And uh, <laughs> and then again, hopefully in January for a new year, a new year's post new year's thing, because it was really fun. It would be a really cool tradition. And I guess yeah. I mean, sort of already kind of is since they've done it a couple years in a row, but I don't see why they wouldn't keep that going. So, all right, well, thanks for sort of setting the stage there. And uh, let's, let's do night one. Uh, first, uh, what is your first big uh, jam that, that you couldn't not talk about here on Vice or Virtue? They open with uh, Way of the Stone. And then I think Apology. Um, I really should have it up right now, but I don't because it's not in my notes. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I, right about I, that. I got you. You're right. Way of the Stone, Apology, and then Nearly Always Late. Oh, yeah, Nearly Always Late, and then All of Your Dream. And so that was where I was going to start is um, they took a while to get into this one, but around like six minutes in, it, I I wrote down in my notes like pure eggy vibes. And by this, I mean they ended up in this kind of major key, um, synthy, atmospheric, but still kind of like driving pumping space with like some good peaks mm -hmm. and that's a space i feel like they kind of they find frequently but not in a bad way right like it's always a little bit different but it's kind of i at least hear it as being something that they do i felt like this was a kind of a good starting point for jamming across the weekend
my first highlight was the uh, set one closer today and tomorrow. And that to me is just like, put it on a billboard. Mm. This typifies what Eggy does really well. There's a lot of emotion, like Jake's guitar is just singing out. The the dynamics are really impressive. Uh, how uh, Donnie, you know, is is employing uh, the B three, uh, but also the roads to go from these moments of like lightness to uh, to heaviness. Although I mean that in reverse, talking about those two keyboards, uh, and then just like how Alex can totally steer a jam through his drumming. And today mm-hmm. and tomorrow is is a song where typically the the jam will kind of build a bit, and then they'll go back down to silence, and then it'll build a bit more. So the clip that that I want to include is just kind of that last like climb to a bit of a peak. Uh, and if folks just listen to Alex's drumming, to me it's just ridiculous. Uh, we always <laughs> <laughs> talk about, uh, at least me and my fish friends talk about like obviously fishman is the most talented member in fish and that's a nice thing when you've got any band if the drummer is really really good i don't want to make any comparisons from alex to to john fishman but uh he is obviously a more than competent and more than capable uh member member of the band and i felt like that was really on display here in this uh, set one closer i completely agree especially the the remarks about alex um there was something about these shows. Maybe I just haven't been paying close enough attention, but I really feel like he was contributing so much, so many dynamic moments, pushing things up in different directions. The song, um, it does, like you said, it, it does follow a structure. Um, and so within that structure, you have these moments of opportunity for, you could call them improvisation. You could call them following the structure to some degree, right? Like I wouldn't say every version is exactly the same because that's not true at all. But there is a pattern to them, and and but I felt like each of those maybe there's three sections, if that's the right way to think about it, mm-hmm. were really great, really great, and and it was the first part of the weekend where I felt like the band was playing bigger than the stage, if you know what I mean. Like it doesn't really. I was I was gonna say playing bigger than the room. But in this case, the room was giant and very, very long. And we were all kind of packed into one end of it. So that doesn't quite apply, but it just sounded huge. It felt huge and and very, um, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but but properly whelmed, I guess, you know, like very satisfying this 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 step and or this uh this today and tomorrow. And there's the section towards the end where Donnie comes in with the electric piano or is i don't i don't know if it's is it is it a well i'm not sure but it was really quiet in the room i wouldn't say it was pin drop but people like that's a quiet moment and people were really paying attention and unfortunately the tapes lie my tape at least lies a little bit bad because of the location of the mics in the room but when i was standing there i was like whoa this is a cool moment and i also felt like they and so they ended the set with with today and tomorrow which Mm -hmm. is fairly common i think it did end the set at maybe around an hour, and I feel like they they could have tacked on one more. And I kind of thought it was cool that they didn't, because the end of that is just like sublime, and it it led everyone into set break with some cool vibes.
if you haven't seen the, I guess we would call it a mini documentary film uh, called Second Step, uh, Aggie's Return to Live Music on YouTube. When I was re-listening to this, I was reminded of this this documentary that the the band put out about their first, it was like their first post-COVID or post, you know, whatever. Uh, Post-shutdown. There we go. Post-shutdown uh, show. And the, the spoiler alert, it, it ends with a really great sequence of video over um, an outro of of, uh, of Today and Tomorrow. And it's really good. <laughs> I don't know if you had a chance to watch it yet, but it is really good, I think. Yeah, I, that was actually one of my intros to Eggy to kind of oh, like was my, it? Oh, that's my cool. way to kind of like meet meet the band members, so mm -hmm. to speak, and figure out who was who. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll slap that link in the show notes as well. What jumped off the page for you uh, at a out of set two? And not to give away all of my notes, but uh, this was basically a, a three song set two, right? Yeah, more or less. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's some sandwiches in in there, but uh, mm -hmm. that I want to talk about all three of these three segments <laughs> in yeah, set Yeah, it's two. like, oh, we look at this set and we're like, okay, which what do you pick, right? It's like a spoil for choice. In the moment, I totally agree. It was like, wow, that was, a, you know, like you said, it's basically a three-song set. On Realisten, it's all about that one-stop shop to me. It's a tough call, I think, which I love the way um, Jake introduced it. He said, uh, this is a song about someone who doesn't have any New Year's resolutions. Um, I love this song. It's one of my favorite, favorite Aggie songs. And essentially, it is basically about the drug dealer in a town. Right. You know, dragging the town down and being yeah. a burden on on everyone's communal existence. So, yeah, that, that's, yeah. The kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of guy who, who does not have any New Year's resolutions. Yeah, exactly. It's just something. It's something else, you know. And I just love the the synth sound and the, the just the interesting chord progressions and the way they go back into it and everything. But specifically about about the jam, you know, some some jams I and mean, there's all types of different different jams. That's why we do this, right? Um, but there's different broader archetypes. Some of some of them are like you slowly going up a mountain, right? And the the energy increases over time, and you get to the top of the mountain, and it's like wow. <laughs> um, but other ones that I th I think um, a lot of my favorite eggy jams fall into this bucket where it's more like driving down a winding road, kind of like when with the windows open and maybe you're in the mountains and you're not sure exactly uh, how the next turn's going to go if you're not looking at your navigation or whatever. And you go, oh, that's cool. Oh, we turn this corner. But it's kind of smooth and flowing and the energy remains roughly the same. And, and this jam really fits into that second bucket for me. Because I can't pick like one <laughs> section where you're like, ah, oh, this is the moment, right? Or there's so many different things that are, to your point earlier about efficiency, there's no inefficiency between these these sections. The band, everyone in the band immediately picks up on, you know, the next move. The sec specifically, um, there's a section around 10 and a half minutes in where um, Donnie adds the synth in. And it just really in the room, it was like a really cool moment because it was so surprising. Is that the synth that kind of almost sounds like a little bit of like a buzzing metallic mm -hmm. sort of a, because I yeah, I got so, yeah. real, real Eastern kind of vibes here from, from the first stretch of this jam. And uh, yeah, it sort of figured it was, it was Donnie doing that. What a unique sound and something 
uh, else about this section of the GM that really kind of popped out to me was like, we, we hear Jake using his Chase Bliss mood pedal, but it's just one element in the whole picture, mm. as opposed to like back in the fall when it would be the, the standout element mm-hmm. as I feel like, you know, he was employing it for, for the first few times. So this, yeah, the, the Eastern vibes here in the first little stretch of this GM uh, really jumped out at me as well. Then kind of Jake steers the the car around the mountain and and we're like in a bit of a Mutron sort of effect like uh Terrapin Station kind of a vibe. Uh, uh-huh, at least uh-huh, at least yeah. to my ears we were, but like totally different feel than the first section of the jam. A couple of very cool things happening in this in this uh, one-stop shop. I do think I agree that it's the Chase Bliss mood too. Um, but it sounded more like whatever settings are used typically in time escaping mm-hmm. um, with that repeating high pitched, like two octaves up or whatever kind yeah. of sound. I don't hear that a lot outside time escaping. And it's one of my, I just love that. It's kind of one of his signature moves, um, I think, which is, which is great. Another thing about that section is I felt like it was like a minor key compliment to that section in all that you dream from the first set, which was more major. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar vibe, but like pushing, uh, kind of space, spacey, but not you know, but still rhythmic, right? Um, and then it it leads. I think you mentioned the the Mutron section. I kind of describe this as uh, like swampy is almost what it, it sounded like to me. Um, this kind of drippy swampy section. This is about thirteen minutes in, which led into. A really interesting segment that was unlike anything from this show so far, where they almost end up in this like demented circus kind of vibe. This very minor key. Jake's playing this riff, and he's messing with it every time. And I really noticed that at the time. He wasn't trying to throw off anyone, I don't think. It was just keeping this very like kind of unsettled, right? Um, almost Halloween y, right? It's a great summation of, yeah, a, a fantastic one-stop shop. And that shuffle at the end that you alluded to, it's hard to not hear a shuffle and think of like back on the train. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was the same key too. I mean, I think there were a few people in the room who've had that. And Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be insane if they, you know, pulled out a, a back on the train tease since they are so f- fond of, uh, of of teasing fish here and yeah. there. But a really nice move into sweat equity 
into the windup, back into sweat equity, I feel like maybe you think, all right, I know what I'm going to be getting uh, with, with this jam. Um, by the way, like sweat equity, fairly new song, right? I mean, that debuted last yep. fall, at least the, the first mm-hmm. time I heard it in a show was last fall. Um, and it feels like it's, it's been part of the canon for a long time now. It does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's had that, that kind of impact. Yeah. I'm just looking it up. First played on October 20th last year in Chicago. Um, and they've played it, uh, basically every one or two shows, um, except for a little gap there, you know, uh, nice. since then. So they're definitely enjoying it this, at this time. I thought that the jazzy vocals, uh, effect that Donnie <laughs> does on his keyboard were like, we're pretty damn cool. I feel like when he starts doing that, it's almost like a, Hey, look at me. I'm doing this weird thing, but like the musicality of it, uh, did kind of oh, come yeah. through and like there, there, there was a lot of value, uh, to get back to that idea of describing these shows as uh, efficient. Yeah. And, and something funny about that is a section where there's, um, these like low notes as like, a as a, that's Jake le- leaning over the, the, the keyboard and hitting those with his finger. Oh. So Donnie was playing, you know, higher up the keyboard and Jake's leaning over the keyboard and hitting those <laughs> rhythmic notes. Oh, wow. And it was hilarious in the moment. It was hilarious and musical at the same time, right? Like I had no so much fun up there. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That is very funny. Also, uh, a random kind of uh, thing that made me chuckle was at some point as they got into the windup, you know, great Keith Jarrett tune that they play often, uh, there was like this cool little Mario coin effect. And (laughs) I'm not comparing, I'm not I'm not picking, uh, but like I I have to acknowledge the fact that I think I heard Peter uh, from Goose playing that when they were on their European tour. Oh, yeah as a child of the eighties who grew up playing Nintendo with little kids who are now getting into Nintendo. It's like, Oh, I know exactly. It's like a Pavlovian response. When I hear that little Mario uh, coin effect. But my favorite part about all of this uh, was toward the end of the windup, they get into this very cool post-peak space, like from, uh, oh, about 19 to, to 20 minutes at the end of the windup, getting out there to get out there, which is something that that really kind of speaks to me. So that was, uh, I think, probably my favorite part of this whole sweat equity windup, sweat equity sandwich. Did you mm-hmm. notice that? Or what, how, how do you feel about when they get into those weirder moments? No, I love it. And I think that reflects what I was saying earlier about it being relaxed, right? Like at this point in the show, we've had three or four like decent length excursions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the band's just super relaxed.
One of my favorite things about Iggy, just a, a broad view here, is the fact that there are only four of them, and obviously they they can jam so democratically, and they they just all all the four pieces kind of uh, really mix and mingle very well. But there is a tightness uh, that is possible when you you know you have just just four members, and yeah, it was as as tight of a segue into the windup as you could hope for. I, I literally don't know how it could be any tighter. Yeah, <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, what did you think about uh, finding and losing? Because I think for me, this probably was was the big takeaway uh, from from set two. Although it's a close call with one stop shop. Mm-hmm. To to kind of cut to the chase, you know, they they go a lot of places here, um, but the most different thing is how ambient they went towards the end of this jam. They don't really go there very often, and it was kind of unusual, and it was. I really liked it. I think it it really worked in the room because the room was so big and you you had this really nice I wouldn't call it cathedral like but definitely like a nice kind of reverb sound going on and so when you have ambient space like that you can really kind of sit in it, you know, and really enjoy it. Well, to use your driving along a mountain analogy, like we're cruising along the jam is have to acknowledge the moment dance teases uh, that that they build oh, around yeah, for yeah. like a minute. That was fun, uh, but it's very peaceful and ethereal and kind of relaxed exploration. Like no hurry to get anywhere, just enjoying the scenery. Uh, but they're able to build to a peak that is, of course, well balanced, a hallmark. But also, uh, kind of gradually gets noisier and noisier. Uh, yeah. But it's not like uh, that happens on a dime. It's kind of a gradual thing. Uh, but the chaotic freak out is how I described it uh, in my notes at the end uh, from around like 25 minutes uh, till the end of the song that really grabbed my ears just because it's such a different sound uh, to me uh, as someone who, you know, has only been listening to, to Eggy for, you know, about a year. Uh, that was, yeah. I was like, oh, whoa, this, this is like new, new territory. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of exciting because it's just an expansion of, of what, what they're doing sonically. I was like, I've, I've never heard them try something like this and <laughs> they, they crushed it. So. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
time escaping, the encore for night one was fantastic, but in the spirit of being efficient, uh, I want to move <laughs> to, to night two, January 6, 2024. This show got moved, correct? It and it, it, it was all my fault because it had something to do with the weather. I'm responsible as a meteorologist in the desert here in Las Vegas for uh, for all things weather all across the country is what I like to tell myself. But how early was the show? And do you think that like impacted the people that came? Yes. Well, thank you for taking responsibility. That's great. Um, we appreciate it. It was moved. So these shows were already relatively early to begin with. They were scheduled from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., which I got to say, that's great. I could have every show scheduled from 6 to 9. No Sign problem. Sign me up. Um, that, and that was a prevailing opinion, I must say, amongst the audience that I polled, at least. Um, and then this show was moved up to 4 p.m. because there was a snowstorm coming into Western Mass and um, we wanted to get ahead of it. And uh, I'm glad they did. It was a wise call. Um because it really did, it did chuck it down that night with snow. Um, I hope everyone got home safely. They didn't waste any time. It, it wasn't like, oh, it's four p.m. Let's let's ease into this. It, it was a full on rock show from from the four p.m. go. You know, which I'm excited to talk about. They started with here and now, then went into Rosetta Stone, and then what I what I think you're gonna say up in the three slot. What what did it for you? Sweaters for strawmen, don't do it. Back into sweaters for strawmen. I mean. I do want to recognize here and now. I think it's such a great opener. I, they the band tends to these at least recently they they've had like let's do a kind of a chill opener, mm-hmm. um, or a, or like a boom right opener. And I'm cool with either. But this this weekend had both right because Way of the Stone was a bit more chill. But like I said earlier, they they right into here and now, super high energy. Let's do this. Same with Rosetta Stone. You know that builds to a peak at the end. Um, and Sweaters for Strawman, pretty common, like two or three slot song. I love this song. I think it's really, um, really well crafted and not jammed all that often, especially in the first set. So when um, Jake signaled to to do it, to, to jam, I'm guessing is what he said, because I could see him say something into the, uh, the talkback mic. Um, they just immediately jumped into this groove. And I was like, oh, I like where this is going. He jumps onto the Mutron. Or whatever he's using to do that sound, um, and we we get this awesome like early show fun major key peaky vibes um, that kind of was a hint at where we were going to go the rest of the night. What did you think? I think I, I I feel the same about you, and I described the the opening jam out of Sweaters for Strawman as just sizzling. You know, just kind of like that type mm. one and a half. Like uh, we're not right. we're not getting s- super super out there, but obviously this this is music that that people like in the jam band world and just rocking a rocking groove as they made the move into don't do it a great cover by the band or of the band by Iggy. But what stuck out to me, cause you know, those two things in and of themselves wouldn't necessarily like make me want to pass this along to people. Um, Iggy is great enough that this is just kind of like standard excellence right. for them. Um, but I thought that the the patient and kind of expert segue back into sweaters for strawmen was really mm-hmm. notable. It's it wasn't it didn't pop out of nowhere. You kind of saw it coming, felt it coming, but it was just so smooth and just really couldn't have been done any better. I think so. I, I wanted to to include this selection for that reason. Yeah, I totally agree. Right before that, there's this cool like clav groove for a while and Donnie plays this little three note melody that I wish I could remember. So we can all laugh at me trying to hum it into the microphone. 
but and Jake grabs onto it like immediately, and it it almost turned into something, and then it we, the band went in a, in a different direction, which is obviously fine. Uh, it, but it goes back to what you were saying earlier about like the band operating very cohesively and very quickly, right, very efficiently as as they move through. And yeah, that going back in to finish up the song, very smooth, not awkward at all, really um, nicely executed. And for me, I thought that what they closed that one with, Last of Kin, uh, was also like just typified one of the reasons that I've grown to love Aggie so much so quickly. Like in the beginning of 2023, as someone who was really starting to, to listen to a lot of Goose and get get a little more serious uh, about you know taking notes on jams and having these conversations with some even nerdier Goose pals, like the last <laughs> thing that I would have thought was, uh, you know what I need is as a third jam band in my life to be a little obsessive about. I just love the the eggy sound so much uh, that that it was inevitable, and I'm I'm very happy for that. Uh, but I thought that last of Ken really typified that as like very democratic, uh, and it just kind of also showcased uh, how their sound has grown a lot, even just in the last few months, at least to my mm-hmm. ears. Uh, we mentioned this. Uh, when we talked about One Stop Shop from night one, uh, but Jake's Chase Bliss mood pedal uh, is not like out front. It's just a layered part of the jam right. here in Last Akin. Actually getting it in sync on top of the drums is like, is a pretty difficult task, <laughs> it seems. All of this is extremely difficult um, to do on stage. I've attempted to do it in my bands in the past. I thought it was cool how patient everyone was as they kind of got that synced up, right? Um, that the, the tempos or the the of the pedal working its thing and, and Alex work doing his thing too. And I thought that Donnie's kind of like moody keys really added and blended mm-hmm. in well. And yeah, I just wrote and uh, underlined it twice in my notes, balance. I wanted to to shout out Mike on bass because as the last of Ken Jam kind of starts to build at the end, Mike is just really the one who out of the four is is shining the most to me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's such a great bass player and uh, that he's playing interesting patterns and really being supportive of the whole groove and, and the overall sound. But, you know, him stepping forward and kind of being the melodic centerpiece as this jam really started to to get 
to where it was going, I thought was worthy of of highlighting here. So very impressive stuff. Yeah, speaking of that, of of Mike taking the lead there, this is probably my favorite part of the whole weekend was there's a section where Donnie and Mike get into this two chord progression, A to G, something like that. And Donnie had placed it there and then Mike brought it around and then they're sitting in this two chord progression while Jake goes on top of it. And I'm like, this is just, this is super, super duper stuff. Um, and Alex is doing his doing You're his describing thing. like that that whole group uh, kind of lift at that, that occurs at the end mm. of the jam? This is um, before 9.45. Uh, oh, okay. Because Donnie comes in with the electric piano, I think around nine forty-five, and he's like, "Oh!" And it it was like a church bell going off in the venue, like mm-hmm. when he comes in, and it even surprises me on the on the tape. He, he, Donnie comes in with the electric piano, which is like I said, this kind of church bell feeling. And it, wow, that's a cool moment. And then Jake, during this moment, he t- he turns off the mood and goes back to like a normal, more normal tone. And so all of a sudden, the jam just like through one note, in a sense, the whole jam just changed into what you might kind of call more traditional peaky stuff, right? Into the into the outro to last again, and that like on off switch from the the chords and the effects. I mean, the chords were actually the same, but it was the way they were being played mm-hmm. was really great. Um, and I, I thought, I really, I mean, finishing out the set like this, another, another great end to a first set. Yeah, you're making hay already in set one. Like you've already yeah. got enough jams that you can go home and, and feel real good about seeing. So that's that's always a good position to be in. Next highlight for me was the set opener, and that is the song "You and You." Al corrected me when we were texting earlier today, uh, I had thought that this was the first time this song was jammed. An interesting thing about Eggy is like what you'll listen to on Nugs. Sometimes you'll see, oh, wow, this set seems a little short. Uh, sometimes they won't uh, push all of the tunes they played uh, to Nugs as a guy who tapes and listens to uh, plenty of odds. Like you're aware of this, but I think if anyone is solely listening to Eggy on Nugs, this is something that may surprise them a bit. Uh, I thought this was the first jammed you. It was not. They jammed it back in October in Cleveland. So thank you for that heads up. But I will say this is the best jammed you that I <laughs> have yet to hear. Yeah, I have to agree. From Eggy, what did you like about this one? Well, first off, um, in the song portion, there's a few short segments where um, Jake plays some lead lines and during one of them, I think it was maybe the last one before they started the jam, he clicked on the the Northern Lights synth guitar effect, that like whistling synth, mm-hmm. which is, again, very distinctly Jake, I think, just for like three seconds and then turned it off before the end of the, the lick of the of the riff or whatever it was. 
the way that sounded in the room, the way that projected up into the this this huge this huge ceiling was really notable. And I I just wonder in my head, like you're playing this song. What goes through your mind that's like, oh, I'm just going to slap. I'm going to hit this pedal halfway through a lick, give it this um, this extra something and then just click it off. It was like so clever and so impactful in such a short period of time. And I really wanted to call attention to that because it's not part of the jam, but it's also unusual. And and clearly there was something there, right? I thought this jam uh, was really cooperative mm -hmm. when they jam it out such rich, thick tones, I suppose that they're just imbued into the song. Um, but I really liked how Donnie seemed to kind of steer the direction of the jam. It's got kind of that pleasant major key kind of like rising vibe from about 1040 to 1140 specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Jake just tacks on, Kind of some some stanky, patient <laughs> but sizzling guitar at the end. Yeah. So you you get a lot of it's like you're going up to a buffet and you walk away with a whole lot of different sounds and somehow they make it all work together. I know what you mean. It's just it's very thick sounding, right? This is one of the one of the few, I guess, kind of forward 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 jams where we kind of stay in the same key, moving towards and just really sitting in it, right? Like sitting in that patient space, being being relaxed, being comfortable. Again, signaling like. Yeah, this is a show that you, you know, we're we're having a good time. You know, we feel really relaxed. We're glad you're here. Well, maybe I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I was very interested, you know, I'm always interested to know in shows like these where there's so many things to pick, pick up from and there's so many different styles, right? Like every jam in this show and over the weekend is different. Boom or bust. I watched this on video again last night. Again, shout out, Brendan. Thanks for thanks for filming. There's so much going on here visually even that and and sonically. We get into the first few minutes of the jam. Alex is doing some really interesting stuff here. It's it's actually I found it fun to watch in the video. I'm like, what's he gonna play the next, uh, the next measure, the next way around? And every time it was something different. Um, just really impressive stuff. And then we get into this. They 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 come. They kind of slow things down a little bit. Probably driven by Alex. I'd have to go check. And Mike makes a turn or turns the jam in a certain direction into this like three note groove around six minutes and ten seconds in which creates a whole new area to explore so there's it's like boom 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 maybe a bit faster than that but that three note thing all of a sudden you're like it's like you're going on sitting in a nice recliner or something you know i'm, I'm leaning <laughs> back in my chair as i say this I'm like okay this is interesting
and I never would have known that the jam would end the way it does from this point because you're it's so chill. Around eight minutes and twenty, Jake starts hitting on an F note repeatedly, and that be- becomes the focal point of the rest of this of this jam. I want to yeah jump in and and say that I thought it was really neat how Mike kind of took that cue from Jake, uh, and this is a jam that to my ears started kind of circular and bright and almost jangly before it took a, mm-hmm. a steady path to, to more of like a distorted sound. But I thought that they were really mature to, to let the tension kind of build and build and build in this jam. And I really heard Mike uh, and, and his melody on bass, mm-hmm. um, but it probably was jump-started by that moment you mentioned uh, from Jake the nice like re-entry into boom or bust i thought coming off of of that peak was really rewarding by the way little inside baseball here vice or virtue is a, a lyric taken from this song boom or bust and this version uh that you recorded is what's the intro and, and the outro music so we'll at the end of the pod if anyone makes it that far uh hear that really nice tight re-entry into boom or bust probably for every episode for hopefully years and years. So thanks yeah. for, thanks for recording it. Yeah, you bet. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm glad like, you know, there's this great music to, to be able to, to capture and, and listen to this jam. I mean, that peak, um, there's so much tension before it. Alex does this thing where he hits the China. I think what, da, 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 da. how many is that six times? And you're just like, ah, oh, oh. like, it's like you're inside a, <laughs> A combustion chamber right and the 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 guitar sound where it's like super compressed he's good jake's got all the loops going and it, and sometimes that f sounds like right it's like an engine or something right and i never heard that before i don't know what combination of effects and kind of it sounds very squashed and uh, and distorted there was almost a moment where i wondered if like something had like a speaker had blown or something. Yeah, it or it was like a, sound, a, it? a yeah. new effect that I also had not had not heard before. But no, Jake is a master and this was all totally on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it did sound a little bit like a cable coming out for a moment, but then it, it kind of kept working and you had this oh, it, was, it was very powerful, I think, in the in the room. I remember thinking like, whoa, this is this is very, very different. I never heard anything like this. And then when, yeah, like you said earlier, um, Mike hits that, hits that peak and it's just like boom, let's go. I, I, it feels like, you know, at the end of 2001, when Dave Bowman is like flying, this is awful for a podcast because that's actually such a visual part of the film, but <laughs> he's like flying and it's all like, ah, oh, spacey effects. That's like what it felt like. I feel like when I listen to this, I imagine that like ludicrous speed type. Um, it did have that vibe feeling. Like vibration uh, right. sort of sort of a sound to it. Uh, such a a look that the second you say 2001, you probably know what I'm thinking about. So the fact that you referenced the movie, I'm like, oh, 
Here's a oh yeah, with, no. Here's a guy with culture and class. <laughs> yeah, and for anyone who really uh, didn't, un- who was like, "What the heck happened at the end of that film?" Uh, it's explained in the book, and it's really cool. Some homework a for our listeners. Aside, I go. like that. It's a great. It's a great book. Yeah. The last gym that I couldn't not talk about uh, from this show was All Wheels Turning. Real quickly, I'll just give my elevator pitch as to why it's fantastic. Uh, it was really getting a lot of like Leslie soaked kind of watery tones uh, early. And again, like an Eastern tinge mm-hmm. to the overall sound, which brought me back to One Stop Shop uh, from mm-hmm. the night prior. But then that pivots very gradually and smoothly into more of a bouncy feel. So, uh, you know, as we're kind of rounding toward the back half of the jam, it feels entirely different than it started. Um, But my favorite thing about it was, uh, again, the spacey post-peak, but very peaceful kind of sonic layering that they did. It just felt really unique uh, to Eggy's sound. It just typifies the fact that like these guys aren't just a bar band. Uh, I think sometimes run-of-the-mill jam bands can have that that feel to my ears. And when Aggie goes into these moments and finds these unique sort of sounds uh, that, that really continues to like whet my appetite uh, to, to hear what they're going to do moving forward. First off, I, I have to mention, um, and you can see this on the video, there's a section in the song part where they, uh, where Alex hits the ride symbol once, like before they say the struggle is real and so on. So he goes, ding. And for one of the measure, for one of those times round, instead of hitting the, um, the ride once, he hit the cowbell four times <laughs> and it made Jake and Donnie crack up on the stage. And it, Watching them crack up made me crack up, and it was just kind of this little moment that, again, like the the other one from earlier, you don't you don't see you don't hear it on the, but you kind of hear it on the tape because he, there's a little bit of a moment uh, trying to get the words out. It just it just kind of showed like that dichotomy of what you just said about like this is big music this is like this is really happening right right in front of your eyes with and we're having a good time right it's not overly serious we're all kind of you know the the amount of body language and facial expressions that i see at every show between these guys at every show is is really cool and it it just gives that extra i guess context for what's going on sometimes they're all heads down right in their own space and a lot of the other time they're looking at each other 
saying almost as, and I don't want to, I can't read minds, but sometimes I see Jake look back at Alex almost like he's going like, yeah, that was, that was cool. Oh yeah. Let's keep, <laughs> you know, let's keep doing that. And and that's happening all across the stage, you know? So that, that was a really funny moment, but to get to the jam, I feel like at this point in the show, it's just like, this is gravy, right? You're already kind of going, wow, this show I was, was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just kept going, right? And there was some a great different, like you said, this is kind of cool Eastern vibe again. Um, I'm sure there's someone can tell us like what mode that is. Um, and he's using the like that Northern Lights effect, synthy effect as well, which very spacey, very cool. But yeah, my thought at this point was like, this is just this is great. This whole show kind of reflecting on the whole the whole show, right? As it as it was, I thought it was interesting too, like. For some reason, I I put like all those turning and finding and losing like in a similar place in my brain. I don't know if other people like associate certain songs together in catalogs, but I do. And these two, for some reason, sit in a, in a similar bucket. I think because of the way they, I think their tempos are kind of similar, and they start out kind of more quiet mm -hmm. and kind of spooky, if you will. Um, and I like that they mirrored themselves across the two the two shows. Maybe that's just me making that connection. Maybe no one else makes that connection, but starting a song like that like kind of midway or towards the end of the set is is a cool move because it's just like you're letting that letting the show simmer a little bit if you know what i mean yeah and i think that speaks to what i was saying you know this is not just we're not just a bar band kind of keeping people happily drinking and dancing like there's some real musicality to this and it's mm -hmm. a a very astute comparison i think i can definitely see finding and losing and all wheels turning kind of being cousins in the overall yeah. eggy canon so yeah well well said that was uh all i had as far as you know big jams that i i wanted to talk about uh from from night two anything else before we put a bow in this first episode come up slow and, and smile two new songs uh smile there's a youtube video official youtube video from the band um go check it out it's just it's it's such a great way to end a show and wayless Encore was was just huge. I mean, again, it's just like a victory lap, right? Mm -hmm. Like such a huge sound. Um, and again, it's like 7 p.m., right? Like <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect like, for what? all the dads out you there. You never would have known, right? I mean, it gets dark pretty early up here, but you never would have known, right, that this was like four to seven on a Saturday afternoon. Um it, it and I love that. That's really cool. And 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 everyone was locked in. Um People were really, really uh, paying attention and really enjoying it and and buying a lot of merch and stuff like that, like really showing their appreciation for the band. A lot of people had merch, so, you know, maybe not their first time seeing the band. It was a really cool um, kind of group, you know, kind of like you said, kind of almost like it's not really hometown, but it feels like kind of a collective get together. And I, I hope to see maybe I'll see some of the uh, some listeners in the future next year at the show. A home adjacent show in Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, yeah, that I was flabbergasted uh, by the quality of these shows when I when I heard them for the first time, and I had been tossing around the idea of this pod for a while, and I thought this is perfect. We'll just talk about the most recent shows because they're they're really really fantastic. So thank you for your your insight and your kind of boots on the ground. Uh, perspective, uh, some of those moments that do not come across, you know, just just on tape. It's funny uh, and and enlightening to hear those. Uh, before we 
totally wrap up, uh, I want to ask you, do you have any predictions or any hopes uh, for the next batch of shows that Aggie's going to be playing? We're recording this in late January. I hope to mm-hmm. push the episode out ASAP. Uh, they will be starting a tour in mid-February. So what are you thinking of and hoping for uh, with respect to these upcoming shows? So the upcoming tour is split into two runs and one in february one in march um the first is a five night run through the midwest which i think bodes well because um they just did a four night run through the midwest in maybe october i want to say yeah late october and that like four night run is a really good segment to that point i want to tease ahead to episode two of vicer virtue we're gonna be talking to josh carver who we know as nola socks on Mastodon and Instagram, uh, and he's a big Aggie fan. Um, and without giving away the the specifics, because I don't actually know them yet, uh, but we thought that those October Midwest shows were were so good that we're gonna dig into those oh, shows. Great. So uh, to- totally agree. Yeah, maybe a uh, Aggie in the Midwest kicking butt is is going to be a thing. It already has been a thing, but hopefully it's going to yeah, be a thing this been. February. It has been. There's also some great shows from like late. Uh, late 22 that are great. It's like December 22 that I really like. There were some of the ones that really got me into the band. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited, like, you know, based on what happened last year or uh, for that run. And then the, we've got like a, a new England weekend, which I'm looking to be a on the ground, roving, roving, roaming reporter, whatever. <laughs> Both. That's, right. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Um, on the ground there. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do a, a newscast from there. We can, we can do that. Um, two nights in, in at Nectars, which is a first, big deal. Um, yeah, and then we've got like a Mid Atlantic weekend, going back to Brooklyn Bowl, like four months after the show, the first show in November, which I think was sold out. I think I remember seeing that online. That's a great yeah. show. Yeah, like that's really cool. So I'm gonna try and make it down for that one. I mean, as far as hopes, um, if these two shows were any indication, you know, um, just keep staying relaxed and and. And doing doing what you're doing, you know, because I, it's it's going really well as far as I'm concerned. What about you? I am kind of hoping that the emergence of some of the new sounds, like the minute or two of sort of post peak noisy exploration that we caught in some of the jams that we discussed, uh, I I just hope that we keep getting taste of that. Mm. I I don't want Iggy's entire sound of ear in that direction, but I feel like the more varied it is kind of the more options you have going into the future so that's that's what i'm silently and uh quietly kind of crossing my fingers for but as long as they're having fun and as long as they're you know entertained and motivated will i'm sure love love the results whatever they are last part of the show uh i'm gonna call this the parting shot i'll go first here and then i'll toss it to you i want to recommend one eggy jam totally separate from what we've been talking about for the last however long we've been talking about it for me uh this is going to be uh the seattle september 22nd show from 2023 uh they encored with 12 pounds of pain and they played uh radiohead's national anthem throughout it oh nice yeah the most powerful I don't know if it's the the most powerful version or the best version of 12 pounds of pain. I'd have to think about that. But like, this seems to me to be the perfect introductory jam to be like, oh, Eggy, you know, listen to this, see what you think about this, because it was intense in the very best way. It's a great wreck. Yeah. And and speaking of, you know, hoping that the band takes these kind of 
different or newer sounds forward. Um, I totally agree. There was there was some um, Lost Can and Boomer Bust specifically. I wrote down as feel, feeling kind of new and different and maybe signaling a, a direction. And look, my my jam uh, recommendation, whatever, was a, a similar show where I felt like a new style maybe was um, was revealed perhaps for one of the first times, which was the August twenty three. August 23rd, 2023, which I guess is right a month right before the show that you highlighted in uh-huh. Amagansett, New York at Stephen Talkhouse. I think I said that right. I am a newcomer to the Northeast, so please bear with me. Um, <laughs> if you look at Burritos El Chavo 2, I mean, this whole show is, is super, but the Burritos that ends the first or maybe the only set is one of the first that uses the looper for um, rhythmic effect, I would say, where Jake turns the um, kind of turns a, a riff into something that the whole band is operating around and uh i remember the first time i listened to that i think it was in the car and i was just like turn it up <laughs> let's roll down the windows let's turn it up this is really cool so check that one out that's the burritos from 8 23 love it i'm gonna check that out right away i know i've heard it once but i'm gonna go back and hear it again so am i phenomenal <laughs> well and and i'm gonna listen to the one that you said too don't don't worry <laughs> Uh, Al, thanks so much for for being my my first guest here on Vice or Virtue. Uh, appreciate you know chatting with you on Mastodon and Instagram and what you do for the Eggy community and taping and you know pushing out things about Eggy, getting people hip to Eggy. Thanks everyone who's listened. Uh, the usual podcasts wrapping routine: subscribe to Vice or Virtue and Eggy Pod, leave a review, uh, text to a friend. Uh, who maybe would be into Eggy or be into the pot is always helpful. Uh, I set up an Instagram account. Just look up Vice or Virtue. Uh, you can reach out to me, Justin Bruce, on Mastodon. Uh, and uh, turns out uh, Vice or Virtue at gmail.com was already taken. So I'd love to get emails from folks, maybe future uh, guests, future episode ideas. It is Vice or Virtue and Eggy Pod at gmail. Dot com. I'll put all of this nonsense in the show notes. Uh, Al, thanks so much. Love talking Aggie yeah, with you. Love you. these shows. Uh, keep on taping. And I know we'll keep on talking about the band online. Thank you.